0: Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of all things film and television. My name is Jeff Zhang, and with me today is... Amir Toure. And I am Derek Wong. So today we have a very daunting task for
1: the three of us. Uh, This week, we are going to be counting down our top 25 movies of the past decade. And when I mean past decade, I'm talking about 2010 to 2019. So how tonight's episode is going to work is uh, we're going to be counting down each of our individual lists in segments. We'll each rattle off our... 25 through 21, discuss those movies, and then we'll move on to the next group of five, et cetera, et cetera, until we get to our top five. You can follow along with this because I believe all of us have put our list on Letterboxd, but also go ahead and share your list with us. We'd love some audience participation for this week and we'd love to maybe next week shout out some of your guys' favorite movies. But before we dive into each list, let's start with each of us doing a quick explanation on how we came upon our list. Amir, did you want to start?
2: Yeah, sure. So I'll actually say right off the bat, I found it difficult to pick a list of 25 movies that I really liked and just loved and thought were absolutely the best of the decade. I feel like maybe some of that is just not seeing enough movies. There's a lot of movies on your guys' lists I haven't seen. There's a lot of movies that I think would have been contenders that I haven't seen. There's some movies from last year I still haven't seen. But even throughout the decade... I went and I looked back at all the Oscar winners, the uh, National Board of Review Award for Best Film. Um, I looked at a bunch of random lists online. And trolling through that, I found that there was a lot of things that I either didn't see and so couldn't evaluate or just didn't quite like as much as everybody else did. So I found it difficult to difficult to make this list, to be honest. And I don't know if that means that it was a weak decade or if I just am not paying enough attention. But I feel like the decade before probably had more movies I was unambiguously positive about. Mm-hmm. so it was it was it was tough to make this list and also tough to order it but um i don't know there's a lot of good movies out there so i'm excited to talk about it
1: yeah i took a little different approach i didn't really look at you know i didn't do a lot of searches of like other people's list or look through like you know top 10 of the decade or you know because i know a lot of websites basically did this at the end of last year right because it was yeah, the end absolutely. of 2019 so the, plenty of websites plenty of uh, different avenues uh, that you could you could have taken to look for different lists, and I, I try not to do that. I do yeah, more... I think it would
0: really like color your opinion, right? So yeah, I didn't do that either. But
1: yeah, so I, I try to pick you know some of my favorite movies. Now I don't necessarily think these are the best movies per se. These are just you know some of my favorites. I guess that's you know the asterisk. And I also purposely, I I chose like an animated film, you know, I chose a comedy, I chose a musical, you know, like, because I love all those kind of movies, and I wanted it somewhere represented in my list, if that makes any
2: sense. I did do some of that. I did do some of that as well. Just kind of looking at different genres and saying, hey, do I want to represent it from this genre or not? Mm So yeah, for sure. What about you, Jeff?
0: I actually tried to create a list of actual best films, Mm -hmm. and not just films that I personally enjoyed, like, the most. So that probably differentiates myself a little bit from you guys. Even though we have, you know, overlaps, right? Yeah, no, we definitely have overlaps. There's uh, a lot of
2: overlap, I think.
0: I was pretty methodical with going through my list and picking the ones that I was going to put on the list. I actually went through Wikipedia by year, and I, like, made a list of all the movies I've, like, seen. And then I would, like weed out the ones that probably didn't deserve to be on the list and then just go year by year and it's interesting i had a more difficult time ranking the movies than picking them i feel it was just really hard to like really say which movie is like better than another like i would probably bet that over the years maybe these some of these ranked higher
1: some of these probably ranked lower You know, years from now, we'd look back. Yeah, for sure. This is not the order, right? Because I feel like at any point, some of
0: these could change or will change.
1: Oh yeah,
2: I could have a different list tomorrow. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like
0: I feel like my twenty-five is solid, but where each film places on them, it could probably be variable, like day by day, right? So.
2: So it's interesting. I kind of feel like I took a similar approach in terms of going through methodically, but I just don't watch as many movies as you do. So I hadn't seen enough of them to feel like a fair spread, a fair, a fair sample size to okay, say. Okay, Because you know, I, you know, I also didn't look at every movie. I looked at like okay, Oscar lists, you know, a like top lists, that sort of thing. So I didn't go through. But if you see a lot of movies, then you have a better sample size to make that sort of a more objective ranking. Whereas my ranking ended sure, sure, be up sure. being subjective. But I, I, I definitely understand the approach you took and. Try to do something similar but i feel like i don't feel as solid with my list because maybe i just haven't seen as many so i feel like my list could be different tomorrow i I think i'm going to try and watch more movies and see how does this list change over time i'm very very
0: interested to see very interesting you know what i also thought was kind of insane to me there were a bunch of movies that i was like oh that's definitely going on my list but they all turned out to be 2009
2: (laughs) (laughs) me too I felt the exact I was like, same thing. I was like, "Oh so shit!" So many movies:
0: *Inglorious Bastards* (2009), yep. *District though. 9, (2009), exactly. yep. yep. right? Um, a bunch of other shit.
2: And this is part of why I felt like, "Wow, this decade and the last decade—that cutoff, that one-year difference—is yeah." I like
0: made a little list. Like, I was I was looking at 2009, like *An Education*, that Carrie Mulligan, Peter Skarsgård movie, so good. Yeah, 09 was a single bad. man. Tom Ford's first movie. Drag Me to Hell would have been yes. in like two thousand two yes. thousand nine. Like 2009. That would have been my, one of my horror representation Same uh, films. year films, But uh, 2009, so it didn't make the cut, right? It was really
1: interesting. Yeah, there was a yeah. ton in
2: 2009.
0: What it just
1: means is that down the line, we're going to have to do a 2000s to 2009 list.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think that would be a lot easier. I think there was a lot more films I was like unambiguously like super positive about in that decade. Whereas this decade, I felt, was a little more of a struggle for me. To, to make that list.
0: I think just to recap, this episode is probably just gonna be each of our individual ballots for the best twenty five mm-hmm. films, but uh, there probably isn't gonna be any consensus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna prod at each other. We're gonna
0: <laughs> We're not gonna whittle it down to a no, singular no. <laughs> best twenty five films of the decade yeah. list, because that would be insane and then we would be here for hours. So
1: <laughs> Yeah we would. Okay. Let's go ahead and start. Amir, do you want to start us off? 25
2: to 21. So just to get started, my um, 25, I have Captain America the Winter Soldier. 24 is Fast 5. 23, Mission Impossible, Road Nation. 22, Creed. And 21, Sorry to Bother You.
1: Okay, so for my 25, I have Fast 5. So we got a little bit of overlap there, Amir. Uh, 24, It Follows. 23, Call Me By Your Name. 22, Baby Driver. And 21, Mad Max
0: Fury Road. And then for me... I got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for number 25, number 24 is Cold War, number 23 is The Lobster, 22 is It Follows, so a little overlap with you, Derek, and then Mm -hmm. number 21, I have Get Out.
1: Okay. Maybe a good place to start is talk about some of our overlaps, right? Because both me and Amir have Fast Five. You guys can talk about Fast Five. I don't know. I don't know what I can say about Fast Five. I don't know if it deserves a spot. (laughs) Well, I, I struggled with this too, Amir, like... I see that you put Captain America Winter Soldier and you put Fast Five. I at one point on my list also had a Marvel movie and Fast Five. But then I realized I think both of them kind of occupy the same space. And Mm. I'm not saying that I think Fast Five is the better franchise per se, because I do love Marvel movies. I'm probably more of a, a fan of the Marvel movies and all the Avengers movies and the Captain America movies. But there's just something about Fast Five that just astonishes me that it reinvigorated this series, right? Because let's Absolutely. be honest, after two and, and three, I felt like there's no way this is, you know, straight to DVD, the series is dead. And then for four to come out, which was pretty good, but then five just bring in the rock and it's like this heist movie that's freaking awesome, right? In the in the heart of like Rio de Janeiro. Man, I love that movie. And that's why I wanted it represented on my list as number twenty
0: five. <laughs> Is Fast Five the vault chase? Yes, the vault
2: chase. Yes.
3: yes.
2: (laughs) That's the movie where they start to shed that earlier DNA of uh, drag racing movies and become like these action movies uh, that we sort of know and love now. So yeah, the franchise definitely successfully reinvigorated itself there with that move.
0: Let me ask you guys this one thing. Do you guys know how they did the vault chase?
2: No, do tell.
0: It's fucking insane. So you think it's CGI? I mean, some of it obviously is, right? Like, a lot of the destruction is CGI. But the vault is actually not CGI. Wow. Uh, So when it's barreling through, like, bus stops and stuff, it's really barreling through bus stops? I don't know if it's barreling through bus stops, but when it's, like, being dragged, it's actually there. the vault itself is a real. That's crazy. But that, like, would defy all laws of physics, because you can't drag a vault... Like that, yeah. and still have your fucking cars function. There's no way. So the vault. There's a car inside the vault, Oh. and it's what? driving behind them. It's crazy.
3: That's really um, cool.
0: It is
1: cool. I didn't oh, know that. I did cool. not know that. That's really cool. Yeah, it's, that makes it like even a... better, Jeff. Thank you. No, I <laughs> yes, uh... appreciate your support, Jeff. In this
3: critical yeah. time. Yeah.
1: So the other overlap we have is me and you, Jeff. Right? If we both have it, follows in our top twenty-five. Uh, do you want to speak on that? Yeah, I
0: fucking love It Follows. Mm-hmm. So one thing I want to say is that I hate the term elevated horror.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it sucks as a term. It pigeonholes horror as like the only genre where it has to prove like its own worth all the time, right? Because you don't have elevated drama. You don't have elevated comedy. Those things don't exist. But people like to give the label elevated horror which i kind of hate but if you want to categorize this film it would kind of fall into like the turning point where you have more indie feeling horror films and this one is just it's just great it's scary the camera work by mike geolakis is incredible you're just keeping your eye out for things in the background that are like slowly walking towards you and then, like, the whole conceit of, like, sexually transmitted haunting is mm-hmm. so interesting and so, like, timely, I feel. It's really, really good. It's really yeah. well done, too. And I just want to highlight that school scene where the camera's just spinning around and around, and, like, every time it pans back around, the old lady ghost is, like, coming closer and closer. It's just so well done.
3: Yeah. Yeah, still
0: we've all yeah. seen this, right? I mean, Amir, you've seen it too, so
2: yeah, and it's yeah. it's on my list, just higher up. It's so, higher um, up, yeah. It's yeah, I can no, talk it's, about
0: that. Yeah,
2: it's on my yeah. list and yeah. higher up. So the sexually transmitted sort of haunting as a metaphor for like rape or sexual assault is obviously a potent one. Um, it's incredibly shot, mm-hmm. affecting performances. Yeah, really, really. I'm not the biggest horror guy, and this is one of the first horror films I really, truly just loved. It's 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 excellent.
1: Yeah, the two scenes I think about the most when I think about that movie is that first time when like I think her friend like just happens to open the door and then you see that long, lanky creature yeah. just come in. You're just like, "Oh shit." <laughs> yeah. And then man. the the final shot, right? They're just like walking along and you just see that that figure in the background. Yeah, you don't. You don't know if that's. Yeah, you don't know if, you, don't know if that's, or... yeah, know if right, that's right, the right. thing following that. I'm just like, man, I, I still remember those two shots so vividly. Like Amir, I'm not the biggest horror guy. Like, I like horror movies, but I know Jeff. That's it's something that you really, really love. But this yeah. one, is, this was definitely really well done and just one of my favorites, and it deserves to be on my top 25.
2: For me, 25 was Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Basically, I put this on here because it felt disingenuous to me, for, as someone who watches all these Marvel movies and enjoys them, to not put one of these movies on the list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just felt not representative of the movies that I actually watch on a regular basis to leave this out in, as some sort of like attempt at pretentiousness or something. I was like, I like these movies. This is probably my favorite of all of them. And uh, I wanted to give those Marvel movies some representation. I thought about doing an endgame because it's just... It shouldn't work as a film, and, it, and I'm not sure it does entirely work as a film, but it works way better than it should. And so i got to give Endgame some props for being the culmination of this decades-long su- uh, successful plan that Marvel has put into place of a shared universe in comics and movies. You know, I thought about putting that on there, but I just don't enjoy it as much as Winter Soldier. I just really like Winter Soldier. I wanted to just highlight, since no one else has it, Sorry to Bother You is a really fun little film. It's uh, sort of a magical realism film. Uh, ...about a black guy who gets a job at a telemarketing corporation. He uh, starts to become really good at this job because he develops sort of a magical power. The magical power of a white voice. <laughs> so he develops the magical power of white voice. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the movie's about the tension between him and his girlfriend and his friends... ...as he ascends the corporate hierarchy in this company... And then has to deal with like his estrangement from these people who were formerly in his social class, and they're trying to form a union. And it gets really weird at the end. Um, super mm-hmm. good movie. I would just like to highlight that and say everyone should check that one out. No one else has it on their list. I want to just highlight that one.
1: Yeah, I've seen it. I've really enjoyed it. It went somewhere that I was not expecting. I don't oh, want to yeah, give it away. Very odd. Like, ab- yeah, very, yeah very absolutely. I
0: was not expecting it. So, yeah. Only only movie on all three lists that I have not seen. So, <laughs> oh, that's yeah, something. So definitely check that <laughs> Damn one
1: out. <laughs> need to try harder.
0: Jeff, you have anything else we
1: go through our 20 through 16?
0: I had two weird ones in the top 25 to 21. Have either of you seen Cold War or The Lobster? I have seen The Lobster. I've not seen The Cold War. I yeah. haven't
2: seen either, but I've heard of The Lobster. I don't know Cold War. Yeah,
1: I really like The Lobster.
0: I really like The Lobster. It's, uh, it's Yorgos Lanthimos. My first exposure to him. One of the first mm-hmm. films of his I ever saw. So, like, between this, A Killing of a Sacred Deer, and The Favourite, Which are all really great, by the way. This one just really jumped out as the most special. It's like some real absurdist shit, right? But, like, it's also a really
1: another movie with magical realism right
2: yep very similar very similar sort of dark comedies magical realism I, w- I will say the lists are a little devoid of comedy actually there's very little comedy on any of these lists. yeah i don't watch
0: that much comedy actually oh, i love i'm comedy. realizing
2: i don't either <laughs> i don't watch a lot of comedy in the form of movies it's like stand-up and stuff like that that i watch so like spoilers
1: really i have a
3: comedy <laughs> you do have a comedy
2: but even you don't I have that comedy. many
3: no, you I don't. Have that myth, I wanted. Right? I had
1: to pick one to represent comedy, because I love comedy as a yeah, genre. Fair enough. Yeah.
0: I guess you could say The Lobster is a comedy.
1: It's nope, a very, yeah, very, lobsters, very funny movie.
0: Very dark, dark comedy, comedy. Yeah. yeah. So it's about like this dystopian society where single people are taken to this place called the hotel, and if they don't find a mate, they get turned into an animal of their choice, and they're sent off into the woods. <laughs> Pretty funny. Um, But this is probably the first instance where I noticed that Colin Farrell was branching out of his leading man roles, and it's a more like character-centric work, mm-hmm. and I think it really suits him. Yeah, he was great. It. Yeah, and Rachel Weisz is
2: incredible in this, too. So If you haven't seen The Lobster, you guys should go check it out.
1: Let's get through our 20 through 16, then, Amir.
2: Okay, okay, I can get started. Uh, so for me, 20 was The Irishman, 19 was Dunkirk, 18 Ex Machina, 17 was Lincoln, and 16 was The Martian.
1: And my 20th was Arrival, 19 was Short Term 12, 18 was Inside Lewin Davis. 17, which was my comedy, which is Game Night. And uh,
0: 16 was Creed. Game Night? What?
1: (laughs) Bring it. Let's talk about it. (laughs) But get to your list first.
0: (laughs) All right. For me, 20 is. All right. 20 is a cheat because it's two movies, but Mm -hmm. they kind of work in tandem. Hand in hand. You can't really extricate one from another. So I have The Act of Killing. And The Look of Silence, which is the Indonesian genocide documentaries by Joshua Oppenheimer. And then 19, I have The Witch, directed by Robert Eggers. 18, I have Whiplash. 17, I have Upstream Color. And then 16, I have Amor. Maybe
1: I will start because someone already pointed out the fact that I am game night on
3: my (laughs) list.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, this was one of my favorite comedies that has come out in the last 10 years. Especially because, like, I'm a big, like, board gamer, so, like, the, the idea of just, like, hosting game nights is also really fun to me. And for someone to make a movie where it's just basically this kind of crime caper that kind of takes place over one night where they're playing this, you know, the premise is that they're playing, like, a game, right? Or they think they're playing a game, and it turns out to be this very real situation. But then there's, like, twists and turns because they just kind of happenstance fall into the situation, which was actually supposed to be a game night. And honestly, is it Jesse Pinkman? Jesse... Plemons, sorry. Jesse Jesse
0: Pinkman is Aaron Paul's character Character in Breaking Bad. (laughs) Jesse Plemons. (laughs) Jesse Plemons (laughs) as
1: the neighbor cop Gary is just one of the best and funniest things I think I've
0: seen in a long time. I love it. I love this movie. Okay. Clearly neither of you two do. (laughs) I mean, it was fine. uh, It was fine. Amir, have you seen
2: it? No, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say that a lot tonight. Jeff also, if you just
0: rewind
1: a little bit, admitted that he doesn't really like comedy. (laughs) I didn't say I don't (laughs) like comedy.
0: It's just that I don't think a lot of comedies deserve a spot on the top 25 of a decade. But I feel like it's a weird choice. I don't know. There's so many other comedies. Like What We Do in the Shadows was also last
1: decade. I mean, I thought about other comedies, but I think this was just the one that I know that... I mean, partially, you know, when you... I guess when I form lists, you know, sometimes it is to stand out and hopefully more people will be like, whoa, this is on a list. Someone put on a list. Maybe I should go check it out. Because I don't think a lot of people have seen the movie or they thought it was just like a, you know, brushed aside. And I honestly think it's a really great comedy. 21 Jump Street, <laughs> Scott Pilgrim. Yeah,
2: I was surprised. No, no Scott Pilgrim there.
1: So controversy. I don't really like Scott
2: Pilgrim. Oh, ah, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Scott Pilgrim. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. That's all I can say. Interesting.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you guys want to highlight anything on your guys' um your list?
2: I just wanted to mention on your list, you just said uh Insan and Davis? Yes. So, interesting, no true grit <laughs> for drama combos, right?
1: You know what? This was one movie that I absolutely loved. I loved watching, I mean, this is kind of the first instance I got of Oscar Isaac's ability. I mean, Anne Driver's in it, which I think is great. Like kind of first Times I've seen and Driver too And this was also one of the movies that I listened to the soundtrack a lot. And I think that's kind of where my experience comes from, too. That I, mm-hmm. really I do like Inside
0: Lou and Davis a lot. It's really good.
2: Um, and neither of you is a true grit guy,
0: huh? Uh I liked True Grit mostly for Haley Steinfeld's performance. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it didn't really have a lasting impression on me.
2: Didn't capture you. Okay, fair enough.
0: Yeah, it just didn't capture me. I mean, I, like I, it. I enjoyed it just fine. Uh, and,
2: then, and then No Country is, again, in the, the previous decade. So, Yeah,
0: yeah was that a
2: 07? I think so, yeah. Something like
1: that. I'm going to admit, I, I've never seen True Grit, so I'll, I'll have to check that one out.
2: Oh, Arrival. So, did you both have Arrival, right? Yeah. So, on Arrival, I didn't put it on my list. I think consciously so, because there's a lot of these sort of movies in the space exploration travel genre, like there's Interstellar and Arrival and Ad Astra. You could even put Gravity in there. You could put The Martian in there, which is on my list, in a similar spot. I just felt like Arrival didn't fully grab me in the same way um, as something like The Martian did, as far as just being pure sci-fi. Um, Arrival was cool, very concept, like a cool concept, uh, but I very much liked The Martian's like sort of down-to-earth, problem-solving, you know, I don't know, intrepid hero and having to survive uh, based on his wits. It was just a very cool sci-fi, science-y premise. I really enjoyed The Martian. And uh, maybe Arrival just, I feel like maybe I missed something with that because it just didn't rate for me.
0: I'm actually the opposite. The Martian's great. I do, like, The Martian a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just a little pedestrian to me, like, compared to Arrival. And I just think Arrival has one of the best twists of all time, I think. Mm. It's just so good. And then, like, I just recently became a father. So, like, Arrival has, like, totally separate meaning for me as well. Like, as a father, you know?
3: Mm, right, yeah.
0: And... How like workmanlike it is to like decipher an alien language. That's where like all the thrills of the movie are, right? And that's just something that you've never seen in film before. I feel, and it's just very smart in that regard. And I just it just grabbed me the entire way through. And Denny Villeneuve is so good. I think. Yes, okay, so, I
2: agree. So, I agree. So speaking yeah. of so speaking of him, no Blade Runner for either of you guys. I think Blade Runner
1: is a visual spectacle, like a lot of his movies, but I don't think story-wise that really affected me as much as I think something like Arrival or even Sicario
0: did. Yeah, I mean, I like Blade Runner.
2: Because, yeah, I liked it too, but it just didn't, I don't know, cut the mustard for me.
0: I mean, that doesn't mean it's not like number 27 or 28 or something, right? There's so many movies in this decade. Yeah, absolutely.
2: uh,
1: It's ridiculous. Yeah, Yeah, it's too hard. (laughs) I'm going to say, Jeff, I think this grouping, I'm looking at your list. I think this is the grouping where I have not seen the most out
0: of your list. Oh, really?
1: Because I think the only one I have seen is Whiplash. And I think I've seen most of Active Killing. I don't know if I ever finished it, but I know I def- haven't seen Look of Silence. Okay. So, like, yeah, I haven't seen them more. I haven't seen Upstreet Color. I haven't seen The Witch.
0: All right. So let me, let me talk a little bit about them then. I think... Uh... The act of killing is the only documentary on any of our lists.
1: Yeah, no, I know I tried really hard to think about a documentary that I really loved that I would want on my list but I just I couldn't figure one out for myself yeah, I mean, honestly. yeah. So I'm glad it, a documentary is represented on one of our lists.
0: Yeah and I think both of these movies they I mean obviously I, I mentioned this before they both take a look at the Indonesian genocide that took place in the 1960s, even though they'd use like slightly different lenses. And I would say the act of killing is, like, the most, I want to say, daring and experimental of the two. So in the act of killing, Joshua Oppenheimer, he's the director, he interviews the perpetrators of this military genocide. But, like, in a twist, he also asks them to direct a movie about the killings that they carried out. So, like, the question then becomes, like, does the opportunity to dramatize their own acts of genocide, does it feed their own egos, or do they actually feel, like, regret and remorse for what they did? It's it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. And, like, from a certain perspective, it can all seem, like, a little bit, like, exploitative, but, like, the whole thing is just incredible to watch. And, like, on the other side of the coin, you have the look of silence, which is, like, the companion piece. It's a little more traditional. And it's just about a doctor who confronts the killers of his brother. But, like, I want to say, like, out of all the documentaries I've seen, like, this past decade, I think this feels like the most urgent like when you're watching it you just acknowledge that it's something that you should be watching it it's like a really fascinating education i think it's just really great if you guys want to do like a nice double feature that makes you feel bad <laughs> <the> <laughs> killing and the look of silence have either of you seen upstream color no no i have not so same director as primer
2: Oh, nice. Yeah,
0: so, Amir, me and you, we watched Primer together. I think
2: so, yeah. For the first time, right? I I believe so, yeah.
0: All I can say is, like, read the official synopsis for Upstream Color. Um, (laughs) A man and woman are drawn together, entangled in the life cycle of an ageless organism. Identity becomes an illusion as they struggle to assemble the loose fragments of their wrecked lives.
3: (laughs) Oh my god.
0: (laughs) This is obviously the companion piece to Primer. So, if Primer's like an intellectual riddle, then Upstream Color is its emotional counterpart. It's like, it's sci-fi. It's like a love story. It's beautiful. It's difficult to parse. It's really interesting.
2: I'm going to have to check that out. That something
0: really Yeah, cool. you guys should definitely check that out. What's the other thing on the list that you guys haven't seen? Um, Amor. I haven't seen a more a panicky uh, film. Maybe one of the most depressing movies on this list. <laughs> I have a thing for depressing movies. <laughs> I see a theme here, <laughs> Have you guys seen Funny Games? No, I don't think I've seen that That's either. with the... That's that home invasion thriller. Oh, yeah. That um, one, where yeah, they no, remade with uh, Naomi Watts. So he directed both, the original and the remake. Ooh. Really interesting. <laughs> but Amour is like one of the most brutal love stories, I think, of the last decade. So it's like about an elderly couple whose relationship is tested when one of them has a stroke. <laughs> It oh sounds like a real walk in the park, huh? Oh
3: <laughs>
0: it's really difficult to watch at times, but it's also like quite romantic in like an extremely morbid kind of way. I think it really distills like love, mortality, death, and like acceptance. It's it's a really good film. We should talk about some of Amir's choices, right? It's interesting that Amir, you have Lincoln. Yeah, um, yeah. I was gonna ask about <laughs> that.
2: I was torn on this one. Actually, I think it makes it. Almost solely on the Daniel D. Lewis performance alone. Yeah, I want to um, say. I think that just carried it on, onto my list for me. But I think that's probably the selling point for me as a film. It doesn't. I know it's weird for something I put on my list, but aside from him being him, nothing else about the movie is that.
0: Yeah, it's pretty unremarkable. Other than right, it's
2: pretty unremarkable Daniel except D. the fact Lewis, that yeah. it's Daniel D. Lewis doing his Daniel D. Lewis thing, and. I don't think there's another Dandelions movie this decade that I could have put, because I didn't see Phantom Thread.
0: Mm. Oh, and uh, There Will Be Blood was 2007. Right, yes. Yeah, so that, was that was season, it. Yeah, I That's I another should... one.
2: That's another one in that last decade, which is just like, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: it's yeah. complete
2: banger. Neither of you liked Phantom Thread enough to, like, to list it. I think is interesting.
1: No, yeah. i said this to you guys. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of PTA. His movies right, are yeah, very... Very hit or miss for me. Most of the time, I, I just I can't get into them, or they're definitely misses to me. Uh, I know people love Paul Thomas Anderson, and I know you guys have a a, a movie. Sorry, Amir has a movie uh, later that's coming up.
0: That uh, that's on my list too. Oh, you're right.
1: I see it now. Right, <laughs> I see it. You both have this particular movie, so we'll talk about it later. But yeah, I know like a lot of people say that's like one of their favorite movies of his, and but it's just. I don't know. His work, I guess, doesn't affect me as, as, as much as, you know, other directors' work. I actually haven't seen Phantom Thread. <laughs> Damn it! I oh, really? you know what? I'm changing my list. Someone <laughs> should have put, <laughs> put that on his list. So now there would be two movies that I haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, because out of all the PTA movies, actually though, that's the one I might... I don't know if I like the most, but I came out with a positive outlook after watching it. I, I did actually enjoy the Phantom Thread.
2: Are there a few big fans of Dunkirk? That was a year where there's, a, like, a lot of uh, these World War II uh, British movies, there was, you know, uh, Darkest Hour. Yeah,
0: interesting you mentioned Dunkirk. Spoiler alert for, I guess, your number 15, but, like, you have both Dunkirk and 1917.
2: Yeah, I struggle with that, too, actually, to be honest. I, I, I'm not sure. I I definitely preferred 7, 1917 to Dunkirk um, now, but in the moment when I saw it, I definitely did really enjoy Dunkirk, and I thought it was a very... It was a pretty effective movie, from a director who can sometimes be very sterile.
0: We'll we'll get into the... we'll talk about later.
2: Yeah, which we'll talk about later.
0: Sterility of Christopher Nolan.
2: Yeah, yeah, shortly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love Nolan uh, as a director. So, you know, I thought about Dunkirk, but to be honest, I I like it, but it's not one of my favorite movies. No, that's
2: entirely fair. And I get that. Which I do do have another
1: movie from him coming up later.
2: Right, yeah. Yeah. I think we all do, so we can talk about it then. But I, I put The Irishman... Down here as well, which I enjoyed a lot as a coda to his work. And that was sort of a
1: nice. Yeah, I think all of us have at least, which is interesting to me, two 2019 films, right? It was hard for me it's to some gauge.
2: Recency like, bias? Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: like to, to really gauge, like, do I really love these movies? I mean, it's only been less than a year since I've seen these movies. Right. Yeah. But I mean, of the two that I picked, I really do love and I, I think would stay on my list, you know, as the years move on. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, it's interesting to see that you have the Irishman on here.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a nice coda to his, to his work. It's just, yeah. like, if you didn't get it, these are bad people and their lives are bad and crime is not good. Like, if you haven't gotten yeah. the theme of these <laughs> movies that I've been doing for the last fucking three decades, here it is again, but, like, written in bold and underlined for you, right? Like, <laughs> you can't mistake it anymore. He's not hiding anything. Like, if you don't get it now, you're just never going to get it. Yeah. Really, really cool, really fun, really different a nice twist on the themes he's been trying to hammer home for the last couple of
0: days. Yeah, I, I really did like the Irishman. I just don't think it made it to the top 25, but mm-hmm. no, you're, you're definitely, definitely right. Like it shows a different side of the gangster movies that he's so well known for.
1: I mean, spoilers, Amir, you have another Scorsese movie that I almost put on my top 25, but it ultimately I took off, but I, I will talk about that one later because I, I do love that movie. But uh, yeah, let's move on to our uh, 15 to 11.
2: Okay, so for me, 15, 1917 14 was Inception. 13, Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse. 12 is Drive. And 11, Once Upon a
3: Time in Hollywood.
1: My number 15 is Ex Machina. Number 14 is Get Out. Number 13 was Star Wars, The Last Jedi. 12 was Mission Impossible
0: Fallout. And 11 was The Big Sick. All right, and for me, I have at 15, Her the Spike Jonze movie, 14, A Ghost Story, 13, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, 12, The Handmaiden, and 11, Under the Skin.
1: So I want to start with Ex Machina because both me and Amir have it on our list. But also, I think for me, Ex Machina and Her kind of take the same space for me. Like they, they both kind Whoa. of came out around the same time. They're both really high concept, like sci-fi I think I love both movies. I still love her also, but I don't know. I remember watching Ex Machina and then when I rewatched it
0: again, I was just like, this movie is amazing. I had to
1: include it somewhere
0: on my list. I do love Ex Machina. Yeah. I love it so much. I honestly don't know why it's
1: not on my list. (laughs) (laughs) Do you like it more than
0: Annihilation?
1: I know that was his uh, um, Alex Garland's Uh, follow-up.
0: Annihilation is very divisive. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't enjoy it as much as Ex Machina
1: Same, um, same.
0: but I admire it more
1: that's screaming Um, bear man that's that's one thing that haunts me
0: I just think Annihilation is like saying something real interesting about like change and mutation and and things Mm -hmm. like that it's it's ambitious it's way more ambitious than Ex Machina because the ending is so like opaque i think <laughs> yeah but i do like it a lot but yeah i don't know why X machina is not i mean maybe it's because it's on both of your lists and i mean like you guys both have it on the list maybe i subconsciously was like oh maybe i'll just yeah. put something else yeah.
1: no yeah that's true I, I would love to highlight more movies rather than you know all this i love everything same.
0: about X machina oscar yeah. isaac is great donald police mm-hmm. yeah. is great alicia vickander oh my fucking god that was her breakout oh, she's amazing break. in that yeah. she's amazing yeah. in that Really good so movie.
1: good in that oh. my favorite thing about that movie is i remember watching the movie and donald gleason's character i was like ah what if he's a robot that was like like five minutes before he starts digging into the back of his neck yeah. <laughs> i was yeah, like yeah, dude yeah. this
0: movie Ooh. is
1: ahead of me like that's what <laughs> I, I was like this movie is like two steps ahead of me right yeah because like any other movie that would have been the twist ending right or could have been the twist ending but Alex oh, yeah. Garland was like, no, that's not what this movie's about. Like, it's not even, yet. Yeah. That's not even close. I'm going to show you yeah. that's not close. And oh, I love that movie. <laughs> so, Jeff, both of us have Get Out somewhere on our list. I have it higher. Yeah. Um, did you want to speak on it?
0: Oh, I love Get Out. Get Out is yeah. so yeah. good. It's timely. It's relevant. It says so much about, like, society right now. And, mm-hmm. like, those performances are so good. And just a really cool conceit for the movie right and then Mm -hmm. yeah yeah daniel kaluuya is so good allison williams bradley
1: whitford she's pretty
2: great there playing against
0: yeah
1: yeah i struggled not also including us or
0: including us versus get out Mm,
2: yeah
1: i think get out is
0: better by not by far but by a good margin, I think. A
2: significant enough margin that, yeah. Yeah. Like, I agree. And that's why I want to I think, out, yeah. but, I think,
1: yeah. I think get out is made a little bit better. It's probably the more culturally.
2: Significant. Yeah. Significant
1: yeah. movie. Absolutely. But man, I don't know. I might actually like us more though. That's oh, the Oh, really? Yeah. But it's not on your list. It isn't because I struggled with either get out or us. I ultimately, I think I chose get out because they're both like, I think get out is the better movie. And this is probably the, the instance where I went with the better movie versus maybe the one I liked more per se. Like I put like in quotes because they're both like really great to me. But yeah, I ultimately went with get
0: out. It's interesting to see that struggle between like what we like and what like. Our brain tells it, like, us yeah. quality, right? Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah,
1: I struggle with that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so Amir, you have drive, I don't think either of us have that on our list anywhere else so i'd love to hear you know your thoughts
2: just a really just a slick fun movie with a great soundtrack um and uh i don't know i just sort of just really just enjoy it i don't know it's just a really tight fun minimalist movie. It's, <laughs> it's good yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just pure sure. enjoyment. I can totally yeah. understand that. I yeah, that. I don't know. It's just yeah. It's just there's nothing tricky with it. You know, there's nothing tricky or subtle or hidden. It's just a a lean fun. Fun's maybe the wrong word, but
0: yeah, fun may be the wrong word. <laughs>
2: yeah, very cool, very stylized, very
0: yeah. The uh, violence in that movie is insane. Yeah, it's not uh, the elevator. <laughs> Yeah, and like when he puts that shower curtain through the dude's chest. Yeah.
2: You remember that? Yeah. It's crazy. It's it's, it's, uh, it's a good one. So, you got Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which yes, I haven't seen.
1: I was going to ask Jeff about this one, too.
2: Yeah, yeah I haven't seen, but uh, from what I understand, it's sort of, uh, this is maybe not a good comparison, but is, is it like a colleague by your name or a blue is the warmest color, except uh, a period piece? You know what I mean? Like You could
0: say that, I think. I think more Call Me By Your Name than Blue is the Warmest Color. And I don't think either of those movies really... Because I've seen all three. Mm -hmm. And the other two movies just didn't really speak to me. And then Blue is the Warmest Color has a checkered production that kind of rubs me the wrong way. I think both actresses very much disliked filming those sex scenes. And then Blue is the Warmest Color also has the most I want to say purposeful titillation in the movie right. that neither call me by your name nor portrait of a lady on fire mm-hmm. has but portrait of a lady on fire is so good yes I've seen it too and it's it's really good is that eighteen or nineteen 19 2019
2: it's just recently right yeah, yeah it's yeah. very recent
0: it cuts against like the French propriety of that time period and it's mm-hmm. talking about like gay love and then like women's bodies and just friendship as well. It's so well done. on The cinematography, um, so, beautiful so good. Yeah. yeah, gorgeous movie. And then they just had the César Awards in France. Did you, mm-hmm. did you guys I see about, about this? this. I Where heard about this, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Adele mm-hmm. L uh, walked what? out of walked the out. Yeah.
0: ceremony. Yeah, good for her. More power to her, man.
1: Good for like, her, yeah. Yeah, she walked out because Roman Polanski won Best Director, right? Yeah, Which, yeah. So, yeah. I purposely try to watch this movie for this list because I've heard such great things about this movie and I ultimately do love this movie. But the funny thing is that, uh, I guess maybe the opposite of Jeff, this actually pushed me to then now put Call Me By Your Name on my list
0: because I personally Uh, love Call Me By Your Name more. See, it just didn't really connect with me in the way that Portrait did. But yeah, that's, that's fair. That's totally fair. No, yeah, I, I think that it's just like opposite sides of the same coin,
1: almost. I would kind of say the same thing. Not that I didn't connect with Portrait of Lady on Fire. I think I may have connected more with the characters and in, in the love situation with Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. It's interesting because um, they have very similar tones and even similar scenes, right? Even like the last scene of the movie, I just got flashes of them being very
0: similar, right? Oh, I think I think Portrait's ending kills. I oh, didn't see, feel that I love at I love Michael. Oh, okay, interesting. Ending. Yeah, different tastes, I guess. Yeah,
1: because uh, I, I, for me, like the ending. It starts with the speech from Michael Stuhlbarg, and then the phone call, and then just him sitting in front of that fire. Like those three events, just like killed me at the end of that movie. Yeah, I
0: have two lesbian movies back to back. By the way, <laughs>
1: yes, the you do. Empire, you got that hand. You do.
0: The Handmaiden. I love the Handmaiden. So good. Park Chan Wook. So good. I think this is the movie on my list that pulls the rug from under you the most. It's probably Park Chan-wook's most uh, sentimental, tender movie. Don't get me wrong, it still has the signature fucked up Park Chan-wook stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's really good. I I really like it. Have either of you seen it? I haven't, actually. I mentioned this. I tried... I've gotten maybe, like...
1: Oh, you didn't. <laughs> I don't know why. I I got, like, maybe, like, 30, 40 minutes in, and I just, like... I remember one time I had to, like, stop it because I was doing something, or I had to go somewhere, and then I never had the urge to restart it. I, maybe I have to try, and I just have to sit down and do it.
2: I mean, I and like I, Old Boy. I haven't, I haven't seen all his movies, yeah. but I did love Old Boy back in the day, so... Yeah.
0: What else is on this list?
2: Um, Star Wars?
0: Uh, oh, yeah, The Last Jedi. Okay. Can
2: you defend this take? I think i
1: said it on a previous podcast like this is for me i think my favorite star wars movie i love the star wars movie i think it's so different like it was trying to take star wars in a new direction and i absolutely admired for that and and it's only now even better because of rice skywalker in my mind
0: oh i think this makes it worse unfortunately because you know it doesn't go anywhere that's true Um, that's also true um all right hold on let me let me pull up my list I have have a letterbox list of Star Wars films ranked. Oh, okay. Uh, Okay, I've I've Last Jedi as number three, which is behind Empire and Wow.
2: Really? No, that's way too high for me. I I think it's a. I think Last Jedi is an ambitious failure, but I think it is a failure. I don't think it. Uh, sticks the landing. It's got some high highs. Very cool stuff. Hold those light speed uh, kamikaze move. Uh, some of the fighting against the Knights of Ren. Uh, there's some cool stuff. I like the twist with uh, Snoke, and I like where he was trying to go with making the Force Democratic and making, you know, raised parents nobodies and so on. But ultimately, I don't think it really sticks the landing. I think in trying to be too controversial and shocking, you just didn't manage to actually do anything really super compelling i, I just yeah i think it fails a movie to
1: be honest yeah i agree i mean i think this is the most divisive But like, you know i think for me this is my favorite star wars movie just because i look back at some of those older movies like i look back at the original trilogy and like i have this very nostalgic uh, attachment to them but then if i were to go back and then, it's that brain again right Versus like what's really good versus what's your favorite Sometimes when I I look at it with like a critical eye, I I see some of the uh, things that I think hold it back now when I compare it
2: to The Last Jedi. Yeah, I mean, I I think I'm just realistically, I'm never gonna, I don't think I'm gonna watch any of the sequel trilogy Star Wars movies ever again. I'm never going to watch Force Awakened again. I'm never going to watch The Last Jedi again. I'm never going to watch Skywalker again. I will definitely re-watch the original trilogy again. And I may or may not try the prequels again just to see if the, these revisions freaks who think they're good are actually right. revision freaks. But, <laughs> um, <Revisionist laughs> freak. but yeah. other than that, I mean, the sequel trilogy, I think it failed. It proved it didn't need to exist. And I, I don't know. Are you really going to go back and watch The Last Jedi again or do you just admire it? As oh a, I've a,
1: seen The Last Jedi more than once or two times now. Like I've gone back and watched it again. I have again. as well. I have yeah. as well.
2: Mm-hmm. And and you'll go back and rewatch that? Like that's a movie you'll like. I think at one point
1: again I will rewatch it because I do really, like really really?
2: this movie. Yeah. Okay. I, fair enough. Yeah, no, I would never
1: For me it has the most visually attesting scene I've ever seen. Like in Star Wars and just one of the the best scenes I've seen, like ever, right? Which that, is what? The, uh, the Hodo maneuver. Like, the, the Hodo light speed kamikaze thing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty It's, it's cool. so beautiful, right? The lack of sound, I guess. I think it's just an amazing scene. Yeah, yeah. it's very cool. Yeah, Alright, not to stay too much on Star Wars. <laughs> but uh, I will talk about my number 11 real quick, because I, I guess this is like another comedy. I mean, it's a romantic comedy, right? The Big Sick. I love this because, you know, before the, the big Crazy Rich Asian kind of push and now the farewell this last year like you know this is also a, I think for me was another big push for Asian representation right takes your traditional kind of romantic comedy and kind of twist it right the first half is like him falling in love with her and then I think like any relationship you also you know once you kind of marry or once you get brought into a relationship you also have to build a relationship with like parents and family of, of your, your spouse and I think that was a nice little kind of addition, a nice little twist on your typical romantic comedy.
0: Yeah, I love The Big Sick.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It just didn't make my top 25, but like if a comedy was going to be on there, it might have taken it. I love The Big Sick.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Amir, have you seen it?
2: So I haven't seen it. And it's funny that you guys both love it because I've heard a lot of bad things about it. Uh, people were really upset like that it was like, uh, I don't know, otherizing for like, you know, the uh, Pakistanis. And it's just like, oh, it's like a brown man loving a white woman like weird interracial thing that's like othering brown girls or whatever. I thought, I don't know, I I, I heard a very negative discourse around it, so I actually never did, never did check it out. I've never
0: heard of this negative
2: discourse. Really? Yeah, no. Yeah, I've yeah, a lot yeah. of negative discourse. I had no idea it, there was so this narrative that's inter- that's yeah, interesting. I not know either. Don't okay. not yeah, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to listen to my fellow podcasters and go see it. So
0: The best uh, 9-11 joke of all time. I was going to say,
2: <laughs>
1: absolutely the funniest joke I think I I, I, I fucking ever heard, ever heard in a movie. Wow. Like, wow. I, like not to hype it up, but I remember that joke and like in the theater, like everyone started laughing and then we didn't hear the next couple lines because of it. Everyone I fucking died yeah. of yeah. laughter.
0: That was so yeah. funny.
1: Wow. Okay. I got to Absolutely movie, one then. of
0: the best jokes
1: mm. I've ever heard in a movie.
0: I'm just going to spoil it because fuck it. Whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah, go sure. for
2: it. Yeah.
0: Kumail Nanjiani. He's talking to some white people. He's talking to the parents, her parents. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's talking to the parents. And he's talking about nine eleven. It's like, oh, it was, I'm just giving the gist because I don't know the exact quote. But he's like,
1: the parents ask him, like, oh, so like, well, oh, what would you think what'd of nine eleven? 9-11? And yeah. then Camille and Johnny's characters, like, yeah, we yeah. lost, you know, we lost nineteen great people that day. <laughs> <laughs> so He's basically talking about the
3: terrorists that were on the. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah.
1: Everybody in my theater just erupted at that joke because yeah, it is so a funny. really really funny joke.
0: Kind of want to talk about. My number 11, Under the Skin. Have either Mm of you seen? I have not seen this, no. Mm -mm. No,
2: that's another I haven't seen.
0: I love Under the Skin.
2: I've heard it's excellent.
0: Yeah, it's on Netflix, so... Yeah, I need to check it out. No excuse me. Scarjo has a predatory alien killing dudes. It's fucking fantastic. Is 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 this her best role? I don't know if it's her best role. It's not very... Meaty? I mean, it's... I wouldn't say it's not meaty, but there's not a lot of dialogue in it. Mm -hmm. Um... The most interesting thing about this movie is all of her victims aren't actors. They're just normal dudes. Um hmm. so they like filmed her like going out and like meeting all these random dudes. It's just kind of like a cool sci-fi film that also kind of works as like a little filmmaking experiment. It's just visually arresting. So so beautiful this film. Yeah, you guys should check it out. It's on Netflix, so no yep. reason not to. And then I also want to talk about a little overlap. I have number 25 for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
2: Yeah. Amir, you had it yeah.
0: for number 11. Um, yeah,
2: it's funny. And I didn't like it that much at first place. I know. But we I,
0: talked about but, it, and you are like, uh, you didn't feel it as much as I yeah, did. But now you have it higher than
2: me. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I think the more I thought about it, the more I kind of liked it. Um, yeah. I it's one of those. Yeah, I think it grows on you. Yeah. It's fun, and it's just a sweet movie from Tarantino, which you don't get a lot, right? Right, it's, exactly. It's, it's it's a nice, just a nice little sweet movie from him. That's and what it's kind of nice.
0: That over Django for me, because Django's um, well, yes, Hateful Eight too, but I don't really like Hateful Eight. I don't like Hateful Eight, like eight that Hateful much. Hateful. It
2: was it was going to be Django or this, and yeah. I was. Oh, I was on the edge, I was like, God, do I put Django? And I was like, in the end I didn't like Django as much. And this is another thing, again, two thousand nine. I would have loved to put Inglorious Bastards on oh, yeah. that movie.
1: If we reached the two thousand nine, *Glorious Bastards would be like
2: Christoph Waltz is just I mean, he's yeah. great in both that and Django, but I mean I think he's incomparable in uh Bastards. Yeah. So um
0: yeah. yeah Django's it, just more in his wheelhouse. Yeah, Uh, I mean, this is something outside of it. Something different for him. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think, and Django's good. It's, 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 yeah, no, for sure. It's, uh, Django's really good, but this, this, this is kind of a sweet, nice film, something different for him. I don't know. It, I think, I think Django suffers from being too much like his other stuff and not the best of his other stuff. Right. Like, it's, it's not better than Inglorious Bastards. I think it's better than Hateful Eight. It's not better than a lot of his movies. So, yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, I think,
0: yeah, I think Once Upon a Time is just. Um, I think the themes of it really resonated with me. Where um, it's something really different from Tarantino, right? It's like his mind's eye of Hollywood's golden age, like, and it's like a snapshot of it right before its destruction, and like,
2: um, it's a weirdly conservative, yeah. sort of reactionary, backwards-looking movie in that respect. But uh, yeah. whatever, it's I cool. mean, it
0: does have his signature ultra violence in it, but it's his most tender movie, I think.
2: Yeah, um,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And I just think, like, the intersecting trajectories of his characters is so fascinating. You have, like, Leo's Rick Dalton as this fading star, and then you have, like, Margot Robbie's real-life Sharon Tate in, like, the opposite trajectory, and then you have, like, Brad Pitt, um, who's, like, just an arm's length away from everyone else, right? He's, like, a stunt man, And, um... I don't know. I like I like that the... the film highlights you know like the more unsung side of show business and Margot Robbie uh one of the best dialogue light performances of all time I think I think it's so good yeah yeah it's excellent it's excellent yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, I think the
1: last thing I really wanted to highlight before we moved on to like maybe, maybe the next section is uh both me and Mir have mission impossible movies I don't want to get into Ooh. my my pick or Amir's pick, I just want to say that I think right now, Mission Impossible, hands down, is probably the best action franchise going on right now.
0: Oh, yeah, for
1: sure. Over Fast and Furious, the Bond stuff, over even, I mean, if you want to compare it to Marvel as action, I think Mission Impossible is just hands down right now. Just killing it. Every movie.
2: Yeah, they've been been on a run. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: I just want to say Rebecca Ferguson is my hall pass with my wife. (laughs)
3: <laughs> like you know what she said
0: you know what she said she's like okay <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good luck <laughs> that's true and i i love that
1: mcquery has like recognized that i think she's amazing like introduction of your character yeah, and the use so of your character is so amazing and he keeps bringing her back and i'm like
2: yeah this is absolutely the right move more of her please Elsa yeah. faust more of her yeah She's the Renee to Tom Cruise's Jack Bauer. <laughs> Renee <to the laughs> Jack Bauer. Probably. You like that? You like that? Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Little... All right.
0: For the three people out there who know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, right. Well, I just want to say no one's willing to, like, risk their own life like Tom Cruise's for this franchise, right? Yep. Like, yeah. All these stunts he's doing for real and shattering ankles and breaking bones. Um yeah, you can say what you want about Tom Cruise, but he goes nuts for our entertainment at his expense.
2: Yeah, That's yeah, great. got it. Yeah yeah, 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 love to see it. <laughs> yeah,
1: at one yeah. at one point there was another Tom Cruise movie that I was considering when that was uh, Edge of Tomorrow. I absolutely. Oh, I thought about it too.
2: Love. I thought about Tomorrow. it too,
1: and yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. I thought that was like that was for me the movie that like almost kind of began his reemergence. I, I think you know these Mission Impossible movies have definitely. Been part of that process of him kind of coming back, you know, after the whole jumping on couch stuff. Um, but <laughs> I remember like that was like okay, watching that movie where it was outside the Mission Possible. I'm like, okay, I definitely want to see him in more movies. I'm really looking forward to Top Gun this year. Yeah, so let's uh, move on to our ten through six.
2: Okay, so ten Wolf of Wall Street, nine Moonlight, eight Mad Max Fury Road, seven was The Social Network, six was It Follows.
1: Uh, My number 10 is Inside Out, number nine, Before Midnight, number eight, La La Land, number seven, Inception, and number six is my first 2019 movie, The Farewell.
0: All right, and then I have for number 10, First Reformed, number nine is Hereditary, eight is Arrival, seven is Manchester by the Sea. And six is The Master.
1: So I think uh, The Master is the PTA movie I was referring to earlier. And Amir, I know you have it higher. uh, So you guys want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah, sure. sure.
0: Um, I love The Master. It's so good. A lot of people are kind of mixed on it.
2: I mean, I I I was mixed on it when I first saw it.
0: Yeah, I was too. It it was was definitely not.
2: It's definitely not. It didn't immediately blow me away. But um, yeah, I mean, there were parts that blew me away. But the whole experience was a little mm, iffy. And, I mean, I still think even if you take it with that sort of mixed appraisal, the highs are so high yeah. that it's um, unreal. Like, I don't know, just... Uh,
0: Two powerhouse performances. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Joaquin is, is um, uh, unbelievable. Um, and I think yeah, it just
0: <laughs> says so much, right? It's like a post-war snapshot of America. It's about, like... I mean, pretty obviously, it's about, like, the birth of Scientology.
2: Right, um, and the, the sort of uniquely American, I don't know, uh, vulnerability uh, hucksters and con men. Yeah, right exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> and in some regards, a fucked up kind of love story between two men, right? Absolutely, With yeah, for sure. Joaquin Phoenix and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, for sure, yeah. Yeah, I, um, it's just, there's I mean, just something so arresting about it, I, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah I mean, movie too. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many other movies do you have? Two like complete powerhouses. Powerhouses, just yeah, doing the most. Um, yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, you could say three, right? You could say three with Amy
2: Adams. Yeah, yeah, she's she's fantastic as well. But I think I don't know. I mean, you criticize Joker for Joaquin Phoenix just doing, you know, acting. Uh, you know, uh, TM. But this is acting in this, and I, I don't think it's over the top at all. I think no. it's. It's just I don't know. It's it's phenomenal stuff.
0: I think you mentioned this in the Oscars episode. Joaquin Phoenix would have taken it if it weren't for Daniel Day Lewis.
3: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, yeah. For sure. This is actually the year that he lost to uh, Daniel Day Lewis and Lincoln. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but I think this. Yeah. This. This edge is Lincoln. Another movie which is which is you know I put on my list on the strength of the form of performances because there's just so many more. Powerhouse performances in this, then, and like right? this is like two or three actors,
3: just mm-hmm. us. yeah. Um, true. Do we
0: want to talk about Inception? You guys both have it on your list. Um, I just want to start off by saying that can you believe that shit was 10 years ago?
3: Right? <laughs> yeah, it's That's unreal,
0: crazy,
1: and it still looks amazing, right? If you rewatch it, it's still, I think, as entertaining when i see it like replayed on
0: tv i always i still have to catch it like i put it on the background you know i was blown away by inception when i first saw it but my mm-hmm. i think my perception has cooled consider, oh okay boy. i don't um, think mine has you don't think yours has <laughs> no
1: yeah i i absolutely love this movie
0: we were mentioning how sterile christopher nolan can be as a filmmaker mm-hmm. and um this one's pretty sterile I think uh, really yeah I just I don't know it's like dead wives and then you know someone uh, pointed out like this movie's about dreams and the most you can do is a, a bunch of white people shooting guns you know and like um, change
2: yeah yeah you so like, I see oh, I you see. can like change the architecture a little like, that's it? Yeah. That's exactly, the like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a weirdly, like, unimaginative film to be about imagination. And it's weirdly, and, and as you said, it is sterile in the way that his um, films are. But I think the core conceit, even if it's not executed in a super imaginative way, is strong enough and Done oh, for sure, enough, yeah. and done artfully enough that I mean, now Inception has just entered our like collective lexicon as a term yes, that you can yeah,
3: use. Yeah, right, yeah. like yeah.
2: that's how strong the central premise is. Yeah, um, I wouldn't even
0: go as far as saying it's genius. Like yeah. the the core concept behind the movie,
3: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: uh, and I think that's why it makes my list is that it, yeah, it, it made yeah. my list a uh, little because it's it's because of the Power of that premise, notwithstanding the lack of imagination. I mean, you know, it's right, not right, even right, as, right. as imaginative as something like "Sorry to bother you" or the lobster, right? But yeah, um, or the sterility, which we talked about before with Dunkirk. But yeah, the central premise is so strong; I think it carries it.
0: Um,
1: I wanted to talk about Before Midnight. I'm glad I know you put that it. on your
2: list, by the way. Yeah,
1: I know it's not on either of your lists, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad both that both of you there, seen though. it. I'm guessing uh, have I broadcast. have. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For me, this is the, I mean, can you, we call it a franchise? We can call it a franchise, yeah. right? Um, I guess. <laughs> it's weird because like it's it's, a franchise.
2: It's, kind of, yeah. it's just, just a couple of movies,
1: right? Yeah. People don't know. This is a set of movies called Before Sunset, Before Sunrise. Before Sunrise, yeah. Before <laughs> Sunset and then Before Midnight. It started out in 1995 and they all kind of take place and are released nine years apart. And it follows the same two characters in this love story and as of right now the last movie in the series is before midnight we don't know if there might be another one coming i know there's always like talks like oh are we gonna get back and do this but i really hope they continue it i mean i I think for me this is my favorite love story kind of told in cinema Uh,
0: i I do love these movies i really really love them but like i feel like if i put this on there then like you have to like have a whole conversation about before sunrise and before sunset, and yeah, it's like a whole thing, right? Yeah, and which I'm doing
3: like, now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard to
0: extricate <laughs> this one from the other two because they're so yeah. like of a whole.
1: Yeah, um, like you so. could Yeah, it's it's weird because I don't think you can watch this one without watching the other two, right? Yeah, like yeah, um, they they're very much you have to watch them in a series. Um, but I. I wanted to put this on because this is the only one that represents this last, you know, decade, right? Because the, I think the one before this came out in 2005 or 2004. Yeah. And, you know, I, but I love this series of films. I love these characters. I love this combination of the three, uh, Julie Delpy, Ethan Hawke, and Richard Linklater, you know, collaborating together to create these yeah. these movies and create these characters. Yeah, I, I had to put it somewhere on my list.
0: Speaking of Linklater, it's interesting that you have before Midnight – um, but none of us have boyhood on this
1: boyhood? yeah I thought about it too but I remember the conversation around that movie was like this amazing like 12 year like movie and like who could have thought of this but I also think that this series of movies is also really impressive right to have these characters yeah, yeah. that we revisit every nine years right so this is like a 27 year experience of movies I see them not as equals but you know, cut from the same cloth and i just love the before series more
0: yeah i think boyhood i admire more for its ambition mm-hmm. than like the final product yeah um agreed. i don't know i think now that i'm a dad i think it might have different meaning for me i might revisit mm. it mm-hmm. uh, but who knows yeah
1: I did want to talk about uh, Amir's uh, Wolf of Wall Street pick. Because this is definitely that Scorsese movie that I was talking about that I struggle with maybe including on my list. You had it on there before. Yes, and I took it off. Interesting. Yeah, I don't remember where it was, but I remember I I thought about it and I eventually just took it off. But I do love this movie. And I I think I've said in the past, this is my favorite uh, Leo performance I think he's given.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it's my favorite Leo performance, but it's damn good. And I think this is more similar to uh, his earlier movies, uh, the earlier gangster movies, where people watch them and then they, like, don't get that he's actually critiquing the people that he's portraying. And they go, oh, well, he doesn't do enough to condemn uh, fucking Jordan Belfort or these gangsters or whatever. And it's like, all right, if you're not getting that he doesn't like these people and that, like, all of their terrible actions lead to ruin, you're not understanding these movies right um, and so it's different from the Irishman then the Irishman he like underlines it and makes sure you like get it like these people are bad but he doesn't do that in this one And so this was there was a little controversy about that but I mean, hey another Leo Mungerwabi film right
3: yeah
2: mm-hmm. um, another Scorsese film and uh, it's just great it's uh, it's it's really fun the Quaalude scene like sticks out in your mind I mean even years later even if you haven't seen yeah. the movie in ages, yes, ages. that stare um, scene is amazing Really amazing, um, yeah. And comedy, there you go. You got
1: some comedy on your your it's list. Great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, inadvertently. Yeah, yeah. Wolf Wall Street's really good. I'm, I'm a little surprised it didn't make either. Yeah, or, yeah. It's uh. am the Scorsese guy. No one else
0: put any other good Scorsese on the list. Was this uh was this Margo Robbie's big break? Yep. I th- yeah, yeah. So it,
2: it was,
3: was
0: right? Yeah, it was.
1: At least this was the first thing I've seen her in, and I think it was kind of her big break. She might
0: have been in like small things before that but I, this was definitely her big break um i want to say that derek you and me we both have uh ethan hawk movies in our uh yes,
1: we do. <laughs> 10
0: through 6 first reformed um have you seen it
1: have either of you seen no it? i've Mm-mm, this no. was the one i i wanted to maybe try to catch before this list but i never got the time to to finally watch first Reformed. but i do want really want to watch it because i yeah, hear amazing is... things
0: about it very very good um got like an environmentalist bend to it it's really interesting um yeah it's hard to talk about um without giving too much away but amanda seyfried is in it um ethan Hawke, it's a paul schrader film yeah i think ethan Hawke is one of those really underappreciated actors i think he's so good in like everything he does he gives it his all even if the movie he's in isn't that great um I just really like him as an as an actor. Does
2: he um, do bad movies and, like, elevate the movie because of how good he is? Or is he just not in anything bad but doesn't get the credit he deserves?
0: I think a little bit of both. Um, let's look at his filmography. Well, a lot of the stuff that he's in, like, not that many people have seen. Have either of you seen Predestination? Nope. nope. Oh, it's an adaptation of the, the Highland short story. Uh, All You Zombies.
2: Oh, really? Yeah,
0: it's That's like, a like that time story. travel movie. Cool. Yeah. Oh,
3: really?
0: It's it crazy. So well done. Um, Interesting. Maybe that should have been on my top 25. That movie's nuts. <laughs> 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 um, he's also in Sinister. That movie's really good. Really good horror movie. The Purge. He's like the best part of the Purge movie. Uh, The first Purge movie. Not mm. the movie, the first Purge, but like the very first movie in the series (laughs) Jesus Christ yeah we get it Um, we get it um, obviously First Reformed also another movie that came out in 2019 an A24 film I want to say oh wait maybe it's not A24 but Adopt a Highway it's about a guy like who finds a baby in a dumpster and he decides to raise it
3: okay Um, (laughs) wow
0: it got it got pretty decent reviews um he's just always going all out in these movies and i just really admire him he's a really great actor what else is on my 10 through 6 uh hereditary Mm -hmm. i know we always talk about it have either of you seen it yet or i've not seen it sorry
2: it's gonna it's gonna have to be an episode i think
0: he's gonna kill us guys This is going to be
1: like the, that running joke where Jeff's going to like, oh, periodically Yeah, ask. every episode, I'm seem... like,
0: Hereditary.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tony Collette is so good in it. Yeah, one of the horror movies in recent memory that really kind of fucked me up, uh, more so than Midsummer, which was Ari Aster's other horror film from last year. Mm. Um, Hereditary, something else, uh, really pulls the rug from under you. Um, that one scene that everyone talks about that I won't mention here because you guys haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, really disturbing. Gut-wrenching. And I think Hereditary and Midsummer have this in common. Where it's just like really affecting portrayals of grief. Tony Collette in this one. And then Florence Pugh in Midsummer, And I don't know. Maybe Ari Aster needs to lighten up a little for his next movie. Uh, yeah. Go see Hereditary. Crack the top ten of the decade for me. <laughs> and speaking of grief manchester by the sea my number seven yeah uh, another a depressing film there jeff have you guys seen manchester by the sea oh yeah
2: <laughs> uh, i haven't actually how it's can good. you
0: I... see that movie and not put it oh my god those performances casey affleck is yeah casey uh, affleck and michelle williams are both
1: very very good i thought about it i mean it was it made my like short list you know like a, i think i had like a short list of like 50 movies or something <laughs> you know what i mean like it it definitely made it but in the end i i don't i don't know it's also i i do remember the the controversy with casey affleck during that time and you mean that, casey
0: affleck as casey affleck as a as an actor as a person right yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah so like I, I think it tarnishes it a little for me, like sometimes it's hard to separate, but and I try my best to do that.
0: I felt a little bad for including two Casey Affleck movies in my like top <laughs> twenty-five. But the other one being A Ghost Story, which we didn't really talk about. But oh yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. but he's he's under a sheet for most of that, so it's fine, and he That's doesn't all- have any lines. <laughs>
1: Uh, I think he won for best actor right that year because of that performance in Manchester like not saying that he didn't deserve that because I think he did and that movie is really really good
0: yeah Yeah. like whatever he did aside whether he did it or not that performance is is like just incredible yeah Um, I mean I guess
1: I have one of those movies too right I have 22 with Baby Driver and you have to separate out um what's his name from it that's um, a little different different because yeah he's, he's not so dead. on
0: the periphery of yeah. that movie kevin yeah. spacey yeah so is this um,
2: different from like the roman polanski thing we talked about briefly like... it's
0: a little different because roman polanski fucking fled justice, justice right that's um, true. and he was convicted so... So, so
2: was casey affleck not convicted
0: no it's just no it was a lot of alleg- just just like a lot allegations, allegations. Oh, yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. not to like diminish those voices but like yeah um i mean michelle williams is fucking fantastic in that movie too yes she's uh, and i think it just really distills like a man um who makes a stupid stupid mistake and it completely destroys his life and it's just like yeah you're just watching and you're like oh my god yeah uh
1: um, like it's not how do you come back from it it's just how do you just keep moving on like i love yeah, that Yeah, exactly
0: yeah, yeah. Because there's
1: no coming back. back. From, yeah, there's no from coming that. back no, from it. No. Yeah, it's a good movie. If you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend it. It's really good. But uh I guess to talk a little bit about my list. Like I wanted to put an animated film in there. That's why I put Inside Out. I think that's my favorite animated film that's probably come out in the last ten years. It, it's definitely my favorite Pixar movie. So I, I definitely wanted that represented in my list. Um We got a little fight going on, man. Uh, me and Amir. Yeah, he's got Moonlight. I got La La Land. Uh, (laughs) but uh, I love La La Land Uh, again this is one of those ones where I still listen to the soundtrack I think I I put it on like two weeks ago because I I love the music um, from that movie and Damien Chazelle is is one of my favorite directors working right now I mean it's clear because I have two of his movies another one of his movies is going to show up on my list uh, a little bit later and then I wanted to highlight The Farewell because I think for me this was one of the the movies in the last ten years I think I emotionally attached myself to. Uh I haven't really attached myself more emotionally to a movie than I think The Farewell. Yeah. Uh, didn't
2: make your list, Jeff, The Farewell? Uh I mean
0: I really like The Farewell. One of my favorite movies from last year. But I mean if you're just talking about I don't know, it just didn't make my top twenty five. Like no, sometimes I totally that's understand. all you can yeah. say yeah um i yeah, love what yeah. lulu wang did just i love aquafina it's just yeah i mean i just there are 25 or more better movies i think from the last decade i not to diminish what what yeah. she did but no yeah, no I'm i totally fair understand fair. It's,
1: yeah, yeah it's yeah. fair fair all right um I think uh, for you, Amir. I think we, you know, social network is definitely going to pop up pretty soon. So I think we'll we'll dive yeah, into yeah, that yeah. one pretty deep here soon. And I think Mad Max we could dive into pretty soon too here too. And we've said our yeah, piece about yeah, it yeah. follows. So maybe we should just get into our top five. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. So this is our top five, guys. Top five. Here we top go. Five movies that we believe that are the, maybe our favorites from this decade, last decade.
2: Okay. So I'm excited about these five: Get Out, Four, The Master, Three, The Raid, Two, John Wick, and One, Parasite.
1: So my number five is The Raid 2. My number four is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Number three is Whiplash. Number two is Parasite. And number one is The Social Network. Wow. Very
0: interesting top fives here. Uh, For me, five is Parasite. Four is Holy Motors. Three is Tree of Life. Two is Mad Max Fury Road. And number one is The Social Network. I want to get into...
1: I guess something me and both Amir have overlapped in our top 5, which is kind of crazy. And it's the fact that we both have the raid 2. But I'm more interested to see why you put John Wick over the raid 2.
2: Oh, okay. So yeah, that's really interesting. So, um man, the raid both the raid 1 and the raid 2 are amazing movies. They're yes. probably the best martial arts movies of the past decade. Mm-hmm. And I think that includes, like, the whole It Man series with Donnie Yen and, and like, the Undecided. And, like, I think I think The Raid is just, I mean, it's phenomenal. The Raid 1 has a scene near the end that is so good. It got a standing ovation in the theater where I saw it. Um, wow. wow. It's Standing o. Yeah. And it's a martial arts movie. <laughs> like, um, it's, it was that good. Um So The Raid 1 and 2 are just, like, perfect martial arts movies. They're unbelievable. Um, And, uh, like, seeing Salat is awesome. Um, It's just, yeah, tremendous, uh, tremendous, amazing, perfect movies. I thought of The Raid as being, like, one of the first movies I thought of for, like, a top 25 of the decade was definitely those. Because I remember seeing those and being like, this is a perfect martial arts film. Mm
3: -hmm. All
2: of that said, uh, John Wick is, I think sort of a revolution in action films like if you're looking for gunplay and and not pure martial arts and now Mm. the raid does have gunplay as well but if you're looking for gunplay as well i think john wick sort of revolutionizes what you look at as action because you have former stunt guys now in the directing role
1: yeah and i mean let's let's be honest like chad is it chad helinski
2: right yeah that guy is just
1: blown up right it's not just him but it's also his like stunt coordinating crew or his company that's, um, you know, they they consulted on Birds of Prey, right? And we we praised the action in that movie. And I think, man, yeah. I mean, Atomic Blonde was another one I remember like watching that movie. I was like, dude, this is awesome action. Like I think action, especially American action is now becoming a little bit more elevated, especially, and I think, you know, we owe a lot of that to the John Wick
2: series. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're talking about if you're an action movie person, John Wick is a movie you have to see. And I think John Wick 2 probably edges John Wick 1 in the same way The Raid 2 edges The Raid 1 for me. Yeah. They're all fantastic. If you like action movies, these are some of the easiest movies for me to slot because when I think of perfect action movies, these these two series rise immediately to the top of my mind.
3: So, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah when, I, when I think of uh, action movie, I think of The Raid 2. Like, I, I love the action in that. I, I still think about... The, just the end sequence where he like enters that hallway and he has to fight, which I'm gonna call you know Hammer Girl and Bat Girl, <laughs> right? And then yes. it doesn't it doesn't even give you a second to rest, and then he has to go into the kitchen and fight that guy in yeah, the kitchen. The kitchen is insane. Just like man, that back to back, just unrelenting action is just I I don't forget that. You know what I mean? I come out of that movie, I'm like I'm always gonna remember this this moment. Yeah,
2: it's it's yeah. I think I think
0: the the raid movies are insane. Yeah. Um yeah. some of those stunts are like, okay, they actually killed a guy for that stunt. He's dead.
3: <laughs> like you're yeah.
0: like, holy shit. Um yeah. Like in the first raid movie, I remember some guy getting thrown off a balcony and he just lands back first on like a concrete wall. Yeah. Like, 10 feet down. You're like, all right, that guy's dead. You just killed a guy for yeah. <laughs> making it, it was a snuff film. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. Um yeah, like yeah, they're they're just perfect action movies i think all
0: of them so yeah um speaking of action movies my number two slot is mad max fury road yeah um, pure just adrenaline and Yeah, action. <laughs> pure adrenaline and the craft that goes into that movie mm-hmm. is just incredible there's i mean it's just you can't do anything but be in awe of that movie i think um and yeah, I mean, what do you what do you guys think?
2: So I have, I mean, it's also on my list, a little lower down. Um, yeah, I, I really it enjoy it. I think yeah. it's a, I think it's a, if you know Warhammer 40k, this sort of gaming universe based on this like British war game board game. Um, it's like the perfect Warhammer 40k um, movie. It's like a, it just nails this post apocalyptic feel better yeah. than. I mean, any movie I've ever seen. So it's it's just awesome. The over-the-top uh, energy of it is just amazing. Um, the, the thing I will say about it, and this is a critique um, I read from a critic I like, Gretchen Felker Martin. She says, you know, one of the things about the movie that's so alienating is um, the clear dichotomy it draws between good and evil, and good is always pretty, and evil is always like disabled or fat or grotesque in some way. Um and I thought that was interesting that hmm. the movie does a very bad job of portraying
0: that's an like, interesting critique actually i, I yeah it doesn't doesn't see the, the merits in it you know it what other movies really, like that 300 yeah, yeah oh 300
2: mm-hmm, is a mm-hmm. gross movie dude yeah like is this a race war movie like 300 is incredibly uncomfortable um, yeah. to watch if you're like non-white it just look it just looks like oh this is a movie promoting like race war between whites and non-whites
0: like it's just
2: very Very fucking weird and uncomfortable. Um, 300's uh, sort of awful, actually. I mean, it's a great action movie if you can enjoy it on that aspect, but I just could never put out that weird feeling.
0: But, I don't know, like, going back to Mad Max Fury Road, it's just... First of all, it's unlike anything else that George Miller's ever done. Like, his previous uh, Mad Max movies are nothing like this. uh, Yeah, absolutely not. And, like, he also directed fucking Happy Feet. The Penguin dancing movie. So, I mean, to go from that to this, I really want to see what his uh, Abandoned Justice League movie would have been like.
3: Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and, like, Tom Hardy's great in this. Um, Charlize Theron is, like, instantly, like... Unforgettable. Like, I, like, unforgettable. Yeah. Iconic as yeah, Furiosa, right? Yeah. It's just fantastic how it's put together. and Just pure adrenaline, I yeah. think. that's That's just... Why it's number two on my list? I think. Yeah, it's
1: definitely um, on my list. It's just much
0: lower, I guess, compared to you guys. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair.
1: So uh, I want to talk about another kind of overlap between me and Amir's list, which is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Dude, I love this movie. I love, I love the the representation. I love the the introduction of like the Miles Morales character. You know, it's it's become my favorite Spider-Man movie. I think, and honestly. It's it's also, like, this really interesting kind of unique kind of animated experience, right? Where you almost, like, feel like you're watching a comic come to life. I've heard that term used a lot, but this one actually felt like I was watching, like, this comic kind of jump off the screen to me, which I really loved.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much genius, I think, this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not on my list. Except because, the guy who didn't put it on my yeah, list. Yeah, I didn't put it on my list because... <laughs>
3: i you forced fun.
0: me
2: to watch it, but all right.
0: I'm, I'm zero fun. I'm no, I'm no fun. That's why I didn't put it on the list. <laughs> yeah, um, no fun, Nick. Uh, but it really is genius, this movie, how they did it. Like, how it mimics, like, the comic book feel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, an interesting tidbit is that Miles Morales, in the beginning of the movie, he's filmed in a different frame rate than Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Oh, um, so they took frames out of his movement to make it seem more, like, jankety, and then um, Peter Parker is more smooth, just to, like, uh, highlight, like, the imbalance of, like, experience, you know? It's, oh, that's so it's nice. just, like, That's pretty they cool. They do so many interesting things in this movie. Um, it's, it's just insane.
1: Very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Amir, do you have anything to say about this
3: movie?
2: Um, Not besides what you said. I mean, it's just, cool. if, you're a, if you're a Spider-Man fan, if you're a Marvel fan, you, you have to watch it. It's fantastic. Um, I saw it on Jeff's recommendation, and I loved it.
1: And I guess the last movie I want to highlight before we're probably going to get into some of the, the two big overlaps, uh, which was uh, my number three, which is uh, Damien Chazelle's Whiplash. Like I already said, I love this director so much. Like, I, I love all, I mean, I guess the three movies he's, he's released... Um, you know, I, I love La La Land and, and Whiplash more than I like uh, First Man, but I love this kind of theme he's working with, right? Where there's there's this kind of
0: it's like a race to excellence, yes, in thank like whatever you. you're trying to do, yeah, yes. But then also, it's great what,
1: what he says with it is that you can't have it all, right? He doesn't believe in the the cherry on top. I feel like that's something in your life always has to be sacrificed for it. And like in La La Land, it was like their love for each other had to be sacrificed in order to kind of achieve their goals. Um, mm-hmm. And Whiplash is it's like, it's his family. It's his relationship almost with his dad. It's his girlfriend, right? His friends, like he sacrifices all that just to be this amazing jazz drummer. And I just, that last, yeah. last segment where he's just like going at it and like JK Simmons is like in the moment with him. i was just like,
3: man,
0: I, I love that moment. Yeah, sacrifice in the name of perfection. Exactly. That's his theme. J.K. Simmons, one of the best supporting actor uh, performances performances in the last decade, hands Mm -hmm. down. As Mm -hmm. Terrence Fletcher. Oh my god, he's terrifying. Because there are real people like that. That's like a real kind of person. And it's really scary. Um, Did he win? Yes. He won. He did win. Okay.
1: That was like hands down. Like there's like that was your safest bet. I swear that year. Yeah. <laughs> when it came to Academy Awards. But uh, uh, Jeff, you have two movies that I haven't seen that are on your top five: Holy uh, totally Motors and Tree
0: of Life. Okay. Yeah. Tree of Life. All right. Terrence Malick. I don't even know what to say about Terrence Malick. Um, I think there's like a genetic thing with Terrence Malick, where your love or hate for him is like encoded in your DNA. Um, It's either one or the other. You either get them or you don't. Um, And I just really get Terrence Malick. And this movie is more of just like a sensation and experience rather than like a narrative. Um, It's just so like mesmerizing. One perfect shot after another perfect shot. It's just... Is just so, so great. I mean, like, the performances in it are great, too. But, like, there's just something really, really great about it. That it's a little abstract. Uh, I'm surprised that neither of you have ever seen it. A lot of his more recent stuff has kind of faltered. Um, I know Patrick Williams did a video on what happened to Terrence Malick. You guys should check that out. But he, he did a, a movie last year. Um, which was I'm kind of drawing in life. Here. I think uh, hidden life, yeah, 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 which got pretty good reviews, but nothing on the level of Tree of Life. I think so. Tree of Life is just about the relationship between a father and a son, um, and the son, as an adult, is played by Sean Penn, and then the father in flashbacks is played by Brad Pitt. Yeah, but it's it's mostly a visual experience, and it's really really something. Yeah, that's pretty much all i can say about it and then my number four is very obscure i think i feel like not that many people have heard of holy motors it's a french movie it's by far the weirdest movie on this list (laughs) (laughs) uh so it's about a guy who just walks around and he takes jobs where he's either an actor or something else and like he just inhabits that role and, like, you don't know whether it's real or, like, you don't know whether it's, like, a role he's playing. You don't know if there are cameras involved. And it's kind of just, like, absurdist, surrealist kind of stuff. But it's just absolutely fascinating. Um, you guys have to check it out. It's on this free streaming service called Tubi TV, uh T-U-B-I. Cool. Um, so you guys should definitely check that out.
1: Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I've, I've heard of
0: it. It's it's definitely on my list to check out. Yeah, and it's not like him going from like one role to another where he has these jobs. It's like he's going from like one life to another life, right? It's like in one thing he's like an assassin and then in another he's like in a monster movie. It's really, really fun. Um, I think a lot of people have trouble grappling with uh how it's presented, but This shit's, like, right up my alley. I love it. Um, That's cool.
1: All right. Last two movies, I think, are on all of our list. Um, One movie in particular shows up as number one on both me and Jeff's lists. And then, Amir, you have Parasite as your number one. Let's start with Parasite.
2: Yeah. I mean, we've talked on the pod about how awesome Parasite is.
1: Um, We've talked a little bit about it. But, I mean, let's... We can rehash some of the things I think we've said and why we love this movie.
2: I mean, it's it's an incredibly compelling critique of capitalism and inequality and uh, class warfare in a Korean-specific but universal context. Um, And it's also, like, incredibly surprising and tense and well shot, and the performances are all amazing, and uh, it's just... One of the best movies I've seen in the last decade. I mean, yeah, it's, it's unreal. So, yeah. And I, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. It's it's of a theme with his, with his other movies, which I'm surprised no one's mentioned Snowpiercer or Akja. Um But didn't make either of your lists. Those didn't make either of your lists.
0: No. Um, no. I mean, Parasite's yeah. just on another level. Yeah,
1: on
2: another yeah. level
0: of any yeah. of his, I think, for me, of, any of the movies I've seen. and yeah. This is the closest we're going to come to consensus, because it's... It's the movie that's in our all All our our top top fives. fives. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. So if we were to go to a consensus, this might have to be our number one
2: as a group. You know, we're up there. (laughs) But I mean, Social Network's a contender too. You guys both had it. Yeah, because we have two number ones. I have it at seven. (laughs) You guys made me go back and watch it
3: again, and it is good.
0: (laughs) It's a good movie. Okay, so so you were not sold on the Social Network? No, not at all. That
2: memorable,
3: and
0: then we. Told you to go watch it, and now you have it as number seven. So how about that? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. No, you guys did a good job of uh, of uh, proselytizing for that movie because I did go back and watch it again. Social That's Network's is good for so what it good. is. It's probably the best movie in that lane. Like nothing else does that Sorkin esque dialogue as well that I've seen. I haven't seen any other movie do that as well.
0: Um, I
1: mean, I can't think of a movie that has a better writer director combo, right? Yeah.
0: Like Fincher and Sokin are something yeah, else in them this. Them
1: coming together for this movie is just spectacular. Like, oh, man. I think about this movie and I just like, I, I have the gush. Like, I love it. I love it so much.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it occupies a very interesting place in, like, our time, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because when it first came out, people were like, oh, are we being a little too harsh on uh, Mark Zuckerberg in this movie? Because he's such a dick in this movie. And then, now you watch it and you're like, oh, this movie, are we going too easy on Mark Zuckerberg? (laughs) You know what I mean? Because, like, Facebook Uh. has really been recontextualized in, like, the wake of all these elections and things, and, like, Mm -hmm. um, how it does nothing to like uh quell misinformation and things like that you know so um i think it's really interesting but like
2: so i feel like that's unfair in the sense that i think you have to separate the accuracy of the movie's portrayal of zuckerberg as a person from criticisms of facebook as an institution which couldn't have been known about when that movie was made right so like I think what bugged me about the movie initially and still even bugged me on rewatch is I'm just consumed with the idea that it's inaccurate, not really giving us an accurate portrayal of Zuckerberg or his motivations, which you could say is eh, all right, whatever. It's not like a documentary, but it is based on a real person and it purports to be a semi-realistic portrayal of his life. And they do get certain things right, right? Like they mm-hmm. go through and they make sure the backgrounds of the computers are correct for the time period at which Zuckerberg is at Harvard from 2003 to 2005. They make sure he's wearing the right fleeces and sweatshirts. But then their portrayal of his character and his motivations are just completely off from what anyone has ever said about him, right? Like, so the movie... So the movie makes a big deal about him being jealous of his friend Eduardo's, like, superior social success at his, you know, ascension into the Phoenix Club or whatever. And, like, it makes a huge deal about this... uh, about this ex-girlfriend who dumps him for being an asshole at the beginning. Uh, Erica, whatever, what's her last name? Erica, Erica Albright or whatever. But the thing that's fucked up about it is that Erica Albright doesn't exist. She's not a real person, right? Right. Um, right. He actually had a girlfriend that whole time, and that girlfriend at the time is now his wife. So, like, the whole, like, portrayal of Zuckerberg as someone who's motivated by, like, um, I don't know, frustrated sexual desire or, like... Uh, a a perceived lack of social status. It's just completely incorrect. So it's just a completely incorrect read of his character. And then when you look at, like, what you see of Zuckerberg... I'm not an expert on the guy, but, like, from what you see of him in, like... I don't know, sent hearings or, like, whenever you see him on video... He's not a fucking Aaron Sorkin character with the weird dialogue and the quips and shit. He's, like, kind of, like, an awkward nerd. I don't know, like... I mean, I've Mm -hmm. heard he's much more confident in real life than this sort of weird, insecure person that he's being portrayed as in the movies. But he's also not, like, I don't know, this this, this weird, like, quit machine or, like, this guy who's just cutting people down with withering criticism. Like, like it's, a, it's a cool character, but it just strikes me as so funny. It's a it character. It's not, yeah. a yeah, it's not the it's, real Mark
0: Zuckerberg. Yeah, But that's also in hindsight, right? Because um, this was before, like, you had any inkling of what... His actual life was like he was never in Senate hearings or anything like that when they were filming this movie, and they didn't get his support for right this yeah, yeah. movie. So yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to say, right? But I 100 100 know what you're talking about. This is like a manufactured character that um, deviates from what he. And,
2: and I think it's not just and and like it's not just that it's different. It's different in a way that. Completely, I think misleads you about about who he is and about Facebook, right? Like if you change, it's not just like oh they got some details incorrect or oh they make him wittier in the movie than he is in real life or they make him meaner or whatever. Like, I kind of don't care about that, but like the basic motivation, his basic motivations are uh, for creating Facebook are completely different, right? It's not because he's a jilted like he was jilted by his lover or because he's jealous, right? Like it just completely. Change and, and I think that changes everything. So that bugged me the first time through, and looking into mm-hmm. it now, like I did, rewatch the movie, but I also spent a lot of time looking up the facts and like reading all kinds of shit because it bugged me. And I think that's what prevents me from really ranking it higher. Um, yeah, because the, it, it's just too. Yeah,
1: I think when I first watched the movie, you know, all the way back in two thousand ten, and th- it, there's something to say that this is one of the uh, you know in in our range of years this is one of the earliest movies right and it still like rises to the top for me that yeah, you, yeah. so but I remember watching this movie and I, I, I struggle with that too a little bit uh, Amir when I first watched the movie like you know realizing that it wasn't real like this is a manufactured story but over time like I loved it because it was this really great manufactured story about this like downfall this, this friendship right that I, I think I really Connected to, but after these ten years and like looking back at all these movies and looking back at this movie, like, like I said, it's it's an amazing writer director duo. It's the first time uh, what Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor come together for a score. Mm, yeah, true. I mean, I probably would say these are the best performances from the the main leads. You know, this is probably my favorite yeah. Jesse Eisenberg performance. My 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 favorite Andrew Garfield performance. My favorite, um, uh, what's his name? Army hammer, army hammer, you know. So like it, all those things that like culminate together to make this
0: amazing movie. That I yeah, it's I, like a it's like a confluence of all these things that came together perfectly because mm-hmm. this could have been a disaster. Yeah, like
3: who wants to um, watch a Facebook
0: movie? Right. It takes the what could have been like the driest of the dry material, and uh, David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin. They just spin suspense and, like, thrills out of nothing, pretty much. Like, you're watching this and, like, you're totally invested. And it's all about, like, coding and building a company. And, like, you're totally into it. Even though it's not, like, your typical action or suspense or thriller movie, right? And you're just totally into
2: it. Uh, So I I think the novel structure of the movie in portraying the trials... Or whatever right and then the back and forth jumping through time definitely helps a lot uh, with with with, um, maintaining the suspense and interest in the storyline I hadn't remembered how interesting that technique was and it really worked for me again on watching it again
1: Um, oh man that you know that scene where he like interrogates and like oh how much was this person's share diminished by Mm -hmm. and then this person and then he gets to like in world servants character and
0: it was diminished like point zero one or something Mm -hmm. I was like oh that scene is so good and I just really want to point out, like, um people can shit on Aaron Sorkin a lot. But, like, this script is a work of art. It is yeah. insane. So, like, Amir, you pointed out the beginning scene where Mark Zuckerberg breaks up with Erica or whatever. Like, even though it's, like, a complete fabrication, that scene is ridiculous in its complexity. Um yeah. yeah. If you watch uh the youtube channel um lessons from the screenplay they break down that scene that scene yeah and um you need like an excel spreadsheet to keep track (laughs) of the threads in that conversation because like erica will say one thing and then mark will say something else and then like 10 lines later mark will respond to something that erica said like five minutes ago and then there's like this miscommunication and it's all planned it's uh, it's just like a labyrinth. It's
2: crazy
0: that how yeah. That scene I mean, is. I mean, I
2: mean, yeah. It, it's totally artificial construction, but you can appreciate the beauty of it. It's very, it's, right. it's very, um, it's very well done. And I, I did immediately, I was immediately drawn in on seeing that scene again and going, yeah, this is really um, yeah. high level stuff that you're seeing. Um, I mean, I think that scene took like 99 takes or something to get right.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Something like that,
1: uh, and not to get too far away from Parasite either. Like what I said about Social Network, I think is also true about Parasite. Like this kind of confluence of a group of actors, this director, this script, this score, and maybe even higher than the Social Network. I think the production design of that movie. I like I. You know, I have a design background, you know, in architecture, and I am never, never going to forget this house that most of the movie takes place in. Like, I think it's just one of the best, like, design sets I, I think I've seen in a movie, and, like, I just love – I don't want to give anything away because I think there's, you know, the, the great twist, and, you know, if you still haven't seen it, go see it. Um, Yeah, but I love Parasite, too, for very much the same reasons I love the social network. And it's really interesting, 2010, 2019, right at the top. Bookends,
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, do you guys have anything else to say? No, I think that's it. We're running okay. on like two hours. Yeah, we're running, here, we're running so.
0: long today. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, but uh, yeah, I this guess. This was that a good we'll, episode, yeah. a good discussion yeah,
0: yeah. of all these movies. So
1: Yeah, I guess um, that will conclude this week's episode. I think next week, are we definitely doing The Invisible Man, guys? I want to. Yeah, I'm, right, te- yeah I'm definitely yeah, let's down. Do it. I think it will be appropriate one to, to do for next week. So uh, stay tuned for next week. We're going to be doing, is it Lee Wanell, Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, Lee
0: Wanell. Mm-hmm. Lee Wannell is The Invisible Man. Uh, but Jeff, where can people follow you? Uh, you can follow me on my blog, strangeharbors.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors.
1: And Amir, are you still only on Letterboxd?
2: I'm still only on Letterboxd. Check out the Letterboxd. We're going to make sure all these movies here that we discussed uh, uh, this episode are up.
1: Yeah. Yark. And like I like I said at the top of the the episode, um, you know, we'll put all of our lists on, on Letterboxd so you can follow along while you listen to this episode, so you kind of know what we're talking about and critique ours. Like again, you know, send us your top 5 or send us your top 25. We'd love to, to hear if you guys have any different choices from us or what's your number 1 and we'll we'll definitely highlight some of them next week if we have the opportunity. Uh, but you can follow me at the wrong day, day spelled D-I-Y-I-K, called DIYK and that's for Instagram and Twitter. Uh, if you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we want to get our podcast out to many, many more people, and the, one of the best ways for you guys to support us is to give us, you know, a good rating on iTunes and you know subscribe to our podcast. So if you guys are on iTunes, definitely give us five stars.
0: If you want to send us your top twenty-five lists for the last decade, you can email us at um, info at strangeharbors dot com. Uh, we always recommend you guys to reach out to us. We love to see what you guys want to say any questions comments suggestions so please uh reach out to us we'd love to see it um all right so we'll see you guys next week for the invisible man
1: see you guys next week see you next
3: week bye